What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Get Out of Your Own Way Now show. I am super excited today. I have one of my good friends and teachers, actually. She's something that has taught me a lot of things about uh, nonverbal communication, body language, and all that. It's the one and only Jan Hargrave. Jan, say hello. Hello, everybody. It's Jan here with all of you. I'm super excited for you guys to learn from her. So Jan is someone um, that actually I met, and this is a funny story. She's a body language expert, right? So she's been teaching this for a long time. She's probably the nation's leading uh, body language expert out there. She helps all kinds of folks. I won't let her, uh, you know, I'll let her talk more about what that is. But the awesome thing about um, our first conversation was I was in New Orleans with my business partner, Gigi. And I'm sitting at a table and I had the phone. I know you guys, if you're listening to the audio version, can't see it, but imagine the phone on the table and I had my hands on either side of my head and I had my elbows on the table and I was talking to the phone and that's exactly how I was. And um, Jan like literally nailed exactly how I was sitting, even down to my feet being crossed. Um, even over the phone, even over the phone, Bob, that's what's so good about me. Over the phone. And guys, this wasn't a video call. She wasn't, she couldn't see me. Like literally she just like could hear my voice and know just based on my voice, how I was sitting. And so that's how, how much of an expert she is at understanding body language. Um, and it's a, it's a super powerful thing. It's something that will, will come in handy, uh, especially now um, as we're going into social distancing and we're going into virtual chats and things like that, where you don't have necessarily the vibe where you can feel what someone's got going on, you know, like, like you do in person. And so all of this and understanding body language, I think is gonna be even more important than it has I been in the so past. Too. Yeah. You know, at first when all this social distancing came out, Bob, I was thinking, well, people really, you know, want to use nonverbal. And then I realized it's more important now than it ever has been because you're going to form an impression of that person, whether it's a, a, a virtual call or even just on the telephone, you kind of, you kind of have to start building a bond with them much earlier than you did before. But there are ways, if you know the secrets of body language, you can form those bonds much easier and much faster by reading someone else, by using the appropriate body language. So that's maybe some things we can talk about today too. Yeah, absolutely. So just to give some people some context about who you are, where you came from okay. in terms of all this, um, tell, tell us, how did you get started in body language? Like what, what, what was the starting point for you with this? The starting point was for me, I was in college and um, I, I, heard of the subject, but I had a fun professor who'd walk around every day and he would simply say to people, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. And one day he said to me, he said, Jan, I know what you're thinking. And I thought, well, how can that old fool know what I'm thinking? Because it always wasn't too pretty. So he told us about body language and I became excited because, you know, I said to him, you mean I can look at a person's hands and arms and how they move their shoulders and their feet and I can maybe read that person? He said, oh yeah. He said, you can do that. And then I just thought to myself, you know, I was dating someone. So I said to my college professor, I said, so when this man tells me he loves me, I can figure out if he's telling the truth or not. And he said, oh yeah, he said, you can do it. And so I just thought it was kind of fun. And I thought, well, if he can do it, I'm gonna to try to study this. So I just started reading everything that, that I could and everything that I could. And then the first time I had to do a term paper for this professor, I happened to do it on body language and he gave me a really good score. And I guess that's the wrong thing to do to Jan Hargrave. If you tell me I did something well once, I'm gonna to want to do it again and again and again. So then from there, every one of my research was on body language, whether it was on body language in a job interview, body language in a presentation, body language, gender differences. So it just kind of went on and on and on. So 
from that point, I graduated with my with a, a master's degree, and then, and then I began teaching at the university while working on a third degree. But while I was teaching there, I'm a business major, psychology minor. So during the day, I was teaching business law, economics, things of that sort. But I was also continuing my research in body language, and they approached me and said, why don't you develop a class for us to offer at night, Jan, for our attorneys so they can understand how to people read better, to pick better juries. So that's how it started off for me. I ended up writing this curriculum. People started taking the class and I would teach them how to spot liars or truth tellers or confidence or nervousness. And then from there, from working with the attorneys, then businesses realized we need to bring this information to business because Deception in the courtroom is still going to be deception in the business world, honesty in the courtroom. So then several years ago, transferred it to businesses, still work with attorneys somewhat, but transferred it to businesses. And now predominantly, I help people understand, you know, how to present themselves. It's a two-way street. What is your body language sending out when they see you? And what is the underlying body language you can get from watching someone else? So now that we have social distancing, and I thought at first, well, what are we gonna do with the body language? But when you're six feet away from someone, Bob, you can really read them better than you can if you're really close to them. So as it's gonna go on, and maybe you're in meetings that you're six feet away from someone, you can look at their head because it's telling you one message. You can look at their shoulders, you can look at their hands, you can look at their torso, you can even look at their feet. So you're gonna get the whole message there, but primarily now we're doing these visual calls. So I think we can even address that and tell you what is the means that you can do to maybe sell yourself better to someone else? Awesome. Okay, so I, before we go to that, because I, I definitely want to get to that, and obviously you guys are here to learn and grow. Um, let me ask you a question. So that that boyfriend that you uh, that you first spoke of, did he did he actually love you or did he not? You know what? This is how I say they all loved me, Bob. <laughs> Perfect. I'm sure he did. His last name was Bonhomme. Bonhomme, and Bonhomme in French means good man. He doesn't even know about that. I, that was why I first started researching it, but I remember that that was his last name. I don't remember the first name, but that was his last name. Bonhomme. Perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So a lot of the folks that are going to be watching or listening to this are entrepreneurs of some sort. And so I would say the majority of them are going to fall in, in the realm of you know negotiations with people um, okay. i know a lot of folks are real estate so it could be like with sellers or buyers um or with other just other business folks and things like that so you know especially with us having to be distanced right now and, and through this what are some things that um maybe someone maybe let's let's do two things one what are some things that someone should be looking for in a negotiation that tells someone hey they're ready to move forward and then maybe okay. some things that are like, hey, this person's lying to me, or maybe they're not, they're not quite being fully truthful with me right now. Sure. Okay, well, let's start off by even giving our listeners and watchers some percentages so that what I teach them today has basic information. And the research does tell us that 55% of a person's message does come from the body language around them. So the moment someone sees you, they decide, do I like this person? Do I trust them? Do I even want to have a conversation with them? So that's why your body language the moment they lay eyes on you, maybe within four seconds, they're going to make a judgment of you. So 55% of our communication is nonverbal communication. 38% of our communication simply comes from voice inflection. When our voices go up, when our voices come down, and then only 7% of our communication actually comes from the words that we say. That's why that old saying actions speak louder, louder than words stands out so much because you can be as smart as a whip, 
But unless you understand that, unless you get that likability, you get that friendship and that bond built between the two of you, it's going to be really tough to sell yourself to someone else. So in, in, in weeks ago or months ago, we had the handshake and it was so easy to, easy to make a judgment of someone. We could tell if they were confident, if they were nervous. So now we don't have the handshake anymore. And initially I had researched this and I had found out that it takes about two weeks of virtual conversations to be as socially grounded as the handshake would be. Now, but that takes two weeks of having little calls with someone, seeing their face, talking for the, to them for a bit. But if you understand a few secrets of how to use non-verbally well and effectively, I think you can bring that down to about three or four meetings where you could almost get as bonded as you did with the handshake. Because handshakes, they allowed you to touch someone. Now we can't even touch someone. And in human nature, we need the value of touch. That's how we grow. That's how we develop. Babies who are touched more you know, are better suited later on in life. So we're going to miss that for a while. I think eventually we'll get to some of that. So when you're first having the conversation with someone and you're first probably greeting them from six, six feet away and you can't shake the hand, probably the best we can do is a slight bow. We can do a namaste with the head down. And then lately I've noticed that some people, when they greet each other, and Bob, you can tell me, what do you do? When you see someone, does your chin go up or does your chin go down to say hello? So if I was seeing you on the street, Bob, would you go, hey, Jan? I, I definitely yeah. go up. You go, hey, Jan. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but I go, I kind of go down like, hi, Bob. You know, I just have don't notice that people are walking, but I'll tell you what the difference is. Typically, when someone raises a chin up like, hi, those are the proud people and those are the fearless people. They're, mm -hmm. you know, they're the ones who uh, probably are self-reliant. They can accomplish anything on their own. And people who kind of bow just a bit, a bit, they're a little bit more compassionate. They're a little bit more friendly and they're a little bit more respectful of others. Those are the only two things that I see as the differences within that. But it's true if you're greeting someone because you cannot see their faces anymore and you're going to have to realize that the smile that you give them, you're going to just be able to see the eyes and you'll have to realize that the eyebrows play a big, big part in this, in this world of nonverbal. So raising two eyes, two eyebrows just kind of says, I acknowledge your presence. So if I would first see you, I'd probably go, hey, you know, I've had a couple of Botox shots, so I don't know how well my eyebrows are working, Bob. No, I did not. They're working really fine. So let me see yours. Back, like, you know, you know, do this. Yeah, you got to go like this, you know, if you want. No, but you did it so well. I can do it too. Raising one eyebrow up, and I don't know if I can do that. Can you raise up just one eyebrow? Yeah, you see, that's, that's someone who's skeptical. About as good skeptical. as I get. I'm definitely not The Rock. Like, The Rock's got like that Oh, The Rock does raise. it. Yeah. But I think you'd have to practice that a while to really... You'd have to practice that in a while to really get get settled. So then you have to think about that. You won't see them. So then, I mean, you won't get to see them that close or touch them. So then now what do we do with our eye contact? What do we do with our hands? And so we have to realize that on these phone calls, that eye contact is going to really be important. And real people don't realize that we're often looking at your face on the screen. And sometimes we need to be looking right there inside that, inside that camera. Because when I'm looking inside the camera, then you can really feel that I'm looking at you. And while you're having an intimate discussion or a negotiation with someone, you have to make sure that you're on their eyes and they're on your eyes about 60 to 70% of the time of the conversation. 60 to 70%, that's how much it is. Because when I'm looking at you this way, really what happens, there's a bonding element that comes out and our pituitary gland releases a hormone called oxytocin is the bonding hormone that people do. And so, you know, you can't be on your phone doing something. You really have to give the person good eye contact. Because the negatives about eye behavior, some that we look for in the courtroom that indicate deception that people should never do in a virtual call. You should never not look at someone. I would never recommend that you do that. 
be careful of those who excessively, excessively blink when they're talking with you because it might mean that they're holding back information. And also be careful of those who keep their eyes closed for too long because when someone keeps their eyes closed for too long while they're speaking with you, it usually indicates that they're blocking information about themselves from you. And so I would watch that someone's not doing this. And, and when we get into the whole realm of body language and understanding it, I want that your viewers and your, and your listeners to also understand the words baseline behavior. So as I'm looking at you, Bob, and I was trying to get Wait, a questioning. So before we go to baseline behavior, let me ask you this. Right. Um, when it comes to eye contact, now obviously yeah. in virtual sense, you know, if I'm making eye contact, that means actually looking at the camera, not right. at your eyes. It's looking, looking at, at your the eyes, camera. I'm not Correct. correct. Okay. Looking so at the so camera is good eye contact. Yeah. I'm sorry, say it again, Bob. That's an important distinction when we talk about virtual. Yes, yeah. like eye contact in this case means looking at the camera, so it's actually not eye contact like we would normally have if we were in person. Right. Because Bob, let's look at the difference. If I'm looking, you see, I'm looking at my camera now, and then now I'm looking at you. Is there a little bit of a difference when you're looking at me? So look at me in the in the screen. Okay, you look at me in your screen right now. Now look at me with your camera right now. You see, so you're looking at me in my camera. So what I would suggest to people is, I know that you can move the face around just to kind of make sure that the face of the person is right underneath your camera. If possible, then it more looks like you'd be looking at them right there. You know, yeah. Bob? And, and look, so even on my screen, so if you guys are listening, obviously you can't see this. If you're watching, you'll, you'll have seen it already. Um, yeah. I've got the, the video and I actually have Jan centered on my screen and right below my camera as close as it possibly be. And so she's probably like physically distance wise, maybe only like two inches from the center of my camera. Right. Faces. But that two inches on a visual, on a, on a zoom, like makes on a, a zoom big difference. That, that two inches makes a big difference, right? Like it's very right. noticeable. So I think that's something right. for people to be aware of is, hey, like, so when we say eye content in this case, we mean, hey, looking at she at the camera. Right, letting, you know, right. Cool. And, um, and, you know, people often say to me, well, if someone's eyes go to the left or do they go to the right, which would indicate that they're lying to us. It's more so that the eyes will go to the right, that they might, it might indicate that they're not telling us the truth. So I don't want you to be, make so, yourself crazy looking at people's eyes. I'm going to go yeah. to the noses and stuff too. Well, yeah. Okay. The nose in a second, but here's another thing too. So this is something that you got to, that um, this can be um, on a zoom call, especially, or on an, any video call, this could be interesting. So you guys are, if you're watching this, you can see it. If you're, if you're listening, um, I've got my company name on the wall behind me and on my shirt, and it's actually spelled the right direction. So when you look at it, right? It looks like I'm touching, if I take my right hand and I touch my right cheek, right? On the, on the screen, it actually looks, it's on, it's on my left hand side, right? But normally mm -hmm. what happens if you don't have the camera settings right, it flips it. So that's something that you got to be aware of is if, if text is backwards and they touch the right to the right, it is, you know, understanding even that I think is going to be important. So if someone's looking to the right, you got to make sure that you understand that. Oh, I see. You know, my, see, if I look to the right, does it, it looks like I'm looking to the left, doesn't it? Your, yeah, but yeah, but I know that your right hand is that side. So, right. Bob, are you using a certain program that's doing that, that, that the letters behind you look like I can read them, the wording right. behind it's, you? It's, and you're sure? on, the, on the settings, you can change it to be either mirrored mm -hmm. or not mirrored of what it is. So, obviously, yes. since I have writing on, on the wall on my shirt. I want people to be able to read that. So, it's set in the right. direction that it looks the right, the right way when they look. Right. But I think that's something that people might get thrown off by is, hey, are, are, you know, are they mirrored or not? And, you know, what does right. that mean? 
So right. something to be aware and of. So, and so before though we leave the eyes, well, we have to mention to people, because I don't want to think just because someone bats their eyes a lot or closes their eyes a lot that they may be being deceptive. That's where we have to bring in those words, baseline behavior, that each one of us has a certain behavior pattern. You know, maybe if I watch you for a long time, I notice that you maybe scratch your neck right here for a few minutes when you listen, or maybe I watch a lady and she fools with her hair. So if I'm getting a read from you, I will not first ask you a difficult question and see what's your body language doing. I will try to figure out what's your, what's your normal behavior. I would maybe ask you about your children, maybe your job, maybe your family. And I'd get a read on you and I'd say, oh, when he's comfortable, he crosses his right leg over his left. When he's comfortable, he maybe touches his skin here. Then when I'd ask you a difficult question, I would look for deviations from your baseline. So I don't want you to think just because someone blinks their eyes a lot that they may be lying. That may be their baseline behavior. So, and then also when you're looking at someone and you're trying to see if they're being deceptive, not just the first gesture of deceptiveness tells you they're lying. We all, we look for clusters of three gestures together. So if I was watching you and I knew three gestures of dishonesty and I saw all three displayed when I asked you a certain question, then I would know that something's making you uncomfortable and that you're probably not being honest with me. So once we go from the eyes and we're talking about maybe these, these visuals or these virtual conversations we have, then I want to talk about the body. I want to also talk about hands and how you can use your hands effectively to, to bond better with the person that you're having the conversation with. Okay, quick question. So sure. when we're establishing the baseline behavior for somebody, okay. we're diving in, you know, and we're asking them these questions about family and all that stuff. Uh, do we want, we want to ask questions. Um, so you use the word comfortable. So do we want to ask questions that they're comfortable answering that make them yes. feel comfortable that, you know, or, or, or like, what's you know besides like family kids pets things like that yeah what are, like what other things would you say would be good questions to ask that well you might just even want to yeah how how are you doing how are things in your city how are um you know is everybody health you know like that but then sometimes you'll have to learn to read behind the face that you see because someone may be having a difficult day and maybe their, their facial language is showing you opposite and that's going to give you an excuse to probe further and make them feel a little bit better because everybody's probably going through a tough time right now. So if you see a gesture or a facial expression, you don't think would be normal for that person. But yeah, you know, just say, well, how are you doing or how's the weather? You know, just common things that are going on. Has your city come back to, to full functioning and just kind of see how they're talking about it, see how they're maybe using their hands, how they're using their eyes, how they're using their, their shoulders, and then maybe get your read. But that, that's excellent that you would ask that so that we know what, what kinds of questions make people mostly comfortable. Yeah. So, okay. so if I can summarize that it's a questions that they're not going to have, they're probably not going to need to lie for because they're just, they're like off the cuff Correct. kind of answers that I can Correct. give because my, my default is going to kick in. And once I know right. what their default is, the way they act default, then I can look for those deviations in the future. Right. And then too, Bob, while you're saying that, and you're trying to, first of all, build that connect person. And, and one thing you can do verbally is this, in the first seven minutes, try to get as many me too's as you can. For example, I would say to you, um, I, I love this wonderful sunny weather. And you'd say, oh, me too. Yeah. And I'd say, um, you know, it's kind of nice. It, I love being home sometimes late in the morning. You'd say, oh, me too. So every time you say a me too, when you and I are speaking, 
that we're bonding, we're bonding a little bit quicker then. When you hear someone say I, something and I give you something, you say, oh, not me. When you're saying that, not me, it's just gonna put you down two more steps on that ladder. But every time you hear a me too, a me too, a me too, then you're building the bond. And you can easily do some me too's, you know, just just some ask them some kind of question and get a, get a couple of me too's. And then when people feel like you think like they think, I think the bonding's gonna become easier and faster for the both of you. Now, does the me too's work in both ways? So if they ask a question and, I'm, and I me too it, does it help in the same way as if I'm asking yeah. the answer? Yeah, and, and it solidifies their beliefs. And they saying he's, he's saying, oh, this person's just like me. So this, because initially people like people who are like them. That's how we, we start off. We say, oh, they're just like me. So I'm going to do business with them and I'm going to like them. So if you can get that, but you have to be earnest and you have to be sincere, you can't just be doing it. You know, and people are going to figure that out with you. So you have to make sure that, you know, now that we base so much on the facial expressions and the voice, you're going to have to make sure that you're sincere when you're saying those answers to them. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to take hands. So now that we talked about eyes a bit, do you mind if I'm just going to hands and give you yeah, some motions that, People do, you know, because at first some people was were, were doing, I think, uh, webinars and visual conversations, verbal, virtual, virtual conversations where they just allowed you to see maybe sometimes it was just the neck, but we need to see a little bit more of you because, and every now and then I need to see you move your hands because by seeing you move your hands, your hands are the things that tell me the delicate things about your sweet personality. If I never saw your hand, not that you rub your face just now, you must never do that though, Bob, but if I see your hands yeah, every time then- just be like this. I give up, Jan. Just keep talking. I'm not going to do anything. Let me close my ears or anything. But if I get to see your hands, it lets me see you. And it lets me see that you are a real person. You never want to make your hands big and outlandish and too crazy that you're moving them. But And you sometimes don't even want to show your hands. But every now and then, you give me some kind of hand motion so that I can see that you're really expressing from within what you're feeling. And your hands move. Think why your hands move. Your hands move because they are helping you organize thoughts in your head. Because remember, this right hand is controlled from the left side of my head. So my math, my science, my history is here. If I need to multiply some letters, some numbers together, it's coming from my left brain. And to help me multiply them, I'm going to use my right hand. It'll help me you know, understand and calculate. And then I can repeat those words. When I need information from this side, the right side of my head, which is comical and creative and daydreams, if I need to get information from here organized, I'm going to move my left hand. So that's why people use their hands to help them get their thoughts and organ organize and then speak them. Because if I had to speak with you for 30 minutes and we're not allowed to use my hands, let's say I had to tie my hands behind my back and speak with you, it would become very difficult for me to organize my thoughts and get them out in a logical fashion. So that's why when you're sitting there, you know, you can't be playing with your phone. You have to actively be in the conversation with them. And probably some of the best uh, things that you can do with your hands, you know, besides kind of talking like this, is sometimes to let them see the insides of your palms. Insides of your palms mean acceptance. So if I'm kind of bringing my hands this way to you. It's like saying to you, I want you to participate in my conversation. People who talk with us with their hands down, but I think it's gonna be very difficult to see that in conversations now. This is more of a sign of control. But if you're in a virtual call where there's seven people at a, a meeting at a table, then you can see how their hands are going. But downward facing palms control and upward facing palms accept. And the two motions I think we should all make sure that we use when we're speaking and one is gonna be the steeple and the other one is to hold on to that imaginary basketball. And the steeple gesture is done. For those of you who cannot see me and they're just listening, 
I'm taking the tips of my fingers and I'm putting them together at about chest level, almost as though I'm in prayer, but it's, it's not touching at the, at the wrist. It's only touching at the fingertips. And so when you're doing that, you're kind of pondering information. It is a big sign of confidence. When someone does it at chest level, it means that they're confident with what they're saying. When someone does it down in lap level, because I could put a sepal down in my lap level, it would mean that I'm comfortable with what I'm hearing. And you don't have to do a steeple with all the fingertips together. You can easily do a steeple with just your fingertips together while you're talking with someone. You can do it with uh, even this way, sitting at a desk where your hands are underneath your chin, but in a steeple gesture. Anytime you're gonna see the formation of a steeple, it's always gonna be associated with a level of confidence. And right now I'm doing a steeple, but my fingertips are not touching. This is called a goal post steeple. It's the same formation of a steeple, but we're not touching. And this again is a big, big gesture that says, I'm very comfortable with what I'm saying. And I have a lot of information to give you, but you cannot do that too much. Because if I talked with you all day and my hands were like this, after a while, it would be bothersome to you. You have to sometimes bring your hands down and then kind of talk. And then the other one that I, I, I teach is that if you're talking, sometimes just pretend that you're holding on to an imaginary basketball. And then sometimes you bring that basketball and you put it, you know, you're giving it like I'm giving it to you, Bob. This is an indicator in nonverbal that says, I have this information in the ball of my hand and I'm gladly going to share it with you. And you might want to lean forward sometimes. You might want to lean backward. And then as we talk about hands, you have to make sure that you never, ever touch your face with your left hand or with any hand, I would suggest with any hand because uh, indicative of someone not telling us the truth is bringing that left hand and doing some kind of information, some kind of touching with the left hand in the face. Because the left hand is controlled from the right side of the head, it's not that our right left-handed, it's not that our left-handed people lie more than our right-handed people. It's only because the left hand is controlled from the right side of the head. And the three, three primary gestures of dishonesty or taking the left index finger and as someone speaking, they're tending to rub up and down the left side of the nose, huge, huge indicator of dishonesty. Someone is doing this, putting the hand on the nose or maybe covering the mouth because they're trying to distract you from the information that's coming out of the mouth. So they'll distract you with rings, with watches. If I'm talking with you, Bob, and I have a nice ring on and I keep doing this and doing this, after a while, you're really not paying attention to the words that I'm saying. You're thinking about, wow, that's a nice looking ring. So we bring something here to distract and disguise what actually is coming out of the mouth. And this gesture that we're doing here, that comes from when we were children and we said something that we should not have said. And then we took our hand and we just got, oh, we could try to stuff it back in. We're still trying to stuff it back in, but now we're just a little in, bit more today. sophisticated in the hand. What's that? Still trying to stuff it back in, even today. Yeah, we still try to stuff it back in even today. And the reason that a liar may touch the nose, it's a physiological effect. Every time you tell a fib, you do get a tingling sensation in your nose. And because of it, you end up rubbing. So it's not a wise thing to do. And even if someone has not studied body language, if you touched your face too much while you're talking, whether your left hand, your right hand, they would start to not have as much confidence in you as they had at the very beginning. Another thing that people probably should not do is take the left hand and rub on the eye. It's either they touch the end of the eye this way, the left eye with the left hand, or they slightly pull down on the eye right here at the top of the cheek. Both of these gestures, when someone's doing it in body language, it says, do not see very clearly what I'm saying because I'm not being fully truthful with you. And then the third to stay away from is taking the left hand and tugging at the left ear in this kind of fashion. For those of you who see me, when someone's tugging at the left ear with their left hand, it does give a gesture that says, do not hear very clearly what I'm saying because 
I am not being fully truthful with you. So things like touching your eye, touching your ear, touching your nose, even people who tend to put things in their mouth, I'm putting my, my glass and my eyeglasses uh, handle in my mouth. When people do this and they're trying to talk with you and then put the glasses back on, these are all time stalls. It's people who are saying, I don't know what to say right now, so I'm gonna put this thing, my, this object, this pin in my mouth, because I'm gonna to try to think of what's the right words for me to tell you in just a few minutes. So there's a lot of negatives that, that you have to make sure that you stay away from. And then the most positive probably though to do with your hands is taking that right hand and bringing it to the chest as though this is the most honest and the most sincere gesture. And that's where my right hand with fingers wide apart is laid right here where I would say the pledge. It's not the pledge because in the pledge, the fingers are together. In the honesty, you see the fingers are wide, you know, this way. But as much as I can tell people, you've got to use your hands. And then when I talk about the next one I want to mention is just posture for a few minutes. And the best way I can ask someone or tell them to, that yeah, I before, would Before we go to posture, I okay. got a couple more questions. Because like as you're going through this, guys, and by the way, if you're listening to this, I'd highly recommend you pop over to YouTube and actually watch this just because sometimes seeing, physically seeing um, the, the gestures that Jan's talking about are going to help you better identify them when you go. So definitely make sure you do that. Obviously, if you're watching this already, you see them. So let me ask you a question. Let's say I, I have something in my hand, like a, like a pen or whatever, right. and you know, people are, are playing with yeah. it or, or they're spinning around or whatever. Or or like, a, like they're fidgeting with things. Is that an indication of something or, or, or is it just like- it's, it's a crutch. It's a crutch really. It's like, it's like someone who, let's say they have a, a bottle of water and then they undo the water, they take a sip and then they screw it back on and they put it down. Why are they screwing it back on? That's just, you see, if I'm doing this I'm, and then, then I take a sip and I screw it back on and put it down, then, you know, just leave it open. And if you need a sip, you know, take a sip. But people are doing that or playing with pants because if you can hold on to something, it's like someone's holding your hand and helping you through something. So if you're holding on to something, I would never tell someone to do this. It's a, it's a displacement kind of nervousness gesture. People who pull pieces of imaginary lint off their clothing, people continuously to fix their tie, play with a, a necklace. Those are displacement gestures. And those are gestures that people do and they don't know what else to do with their body language. Even this, taking my arm and just scratching it here while I'm talking with you. It's not that it itches. Someone would do this so that you get, they can kind of distract your eyes so that you're looking here and that you're not looking right at their face. So it's, okay. it's a great, great question with that. But ask me something else then about, about the arms cross. Well, let me just talk, since we're talking about arms, you never want to see someone with their arms crossed and you cannot see their hands. This is negative, negative, negative. The only acceptable arm crossing that we allow in teaching college negotiation classes is when hands and fingers are visible. And right now I'm crossed and both of my hands are showing. It's equally okay to just cross and have one hand, only one hand showing. This is called a resting position or a coach's position. Because I never want to teach our audience not to cross their arms because I know they're comfortable when they cross. So make sure that when you cross, at least that one hand is showing. If one hand is showing, it's as though you're thinking about something and contemplating. If no hands are showing, then this means that you're not interested at all and you're quite defensive. So when I, I coach people and I tell them in a live, you know, if you're with someone and you see them cross their arms, you need to get them to uncross. And the way though to get them to uncross in months before would be to hand someone something, give them a document, give them a cup of coffee. But nowadays you cannot do that. So your best way to try to get them away from crossing is maybe that you sent them a document prior to the meeting and maybe when you see their crossing, just say, can you look at page two of the document that I sent you? And maybe we can go to this together. Then that way, when they have to hold something and they have to change their seating position, 
it might change their state of mind. So that would be the only suggestion I would give about that. But you know, with the crossing of the arms, I would sense. never suggest that you cross your arms. Okay. So the next question I have then is, you know, when we're looking at Zoom calls or any sort of virtual call where we're not here, you know, there's I can I can back up far enough so that you know more of my body is shown and you can see my hands. Right. Then of course I'm further away from the camera. Does being further right. away, even though I can see more, is that better or is it better to be closer? Because now it's like, hey, like I'm more. In, you know, what was that? Board is always an interested thing, so I wasn't sure if. Yeah, you have to do both. You might have to do both, Bob. Okay. And because let, let me just talk about posture then and shoulders since you're asking that. The best way to have your shoulders when you're in a Zoom call would be, you know, I'm gonna just show you this little exercise, you know, raise your shoulders up like towards your ears, just raise them straight up. Now bring your shoulders in your front socket, bring your shoulders in your front socket. Now raise your shoulders up again and bring them in the back socket, okay? Now raise them up again and bring them to the front socket and raise them up again and bring them to the back socket. Now put them in the back socket. Now you're forcing yours, but just, just kind of more relax them in the back socket. That's how we really need to be during virtual conversations. And it's kind of easy to remember if, you know, and that's part, you know, people would always say, put your shoulders back. I was like, why do they tell you to put your shoulders back? The best way to do is kind of slip them in that back socket and then you're normally there. So when I'm like this, I'm more presentable to people. So I suggest, you know, that you, because if you stay crunched this way, the smaller you stay, you stay crunched, the more intimidated you look. So if you can sometimes during the conversation, let's say you have a point of stress that you might want to lean back and then look, I'm going to put my arm here on this chair, kind of putting it this way. The more space you look like you're taking, the more powerful you can seem to another. So when you are crossing your arms and crossing your leg, we call that double cross. And when you're looking that way, it looks like someone could attack you because you're so afraid of them. So every now and then, if you're having a point that you want to stress that you really know about, I'm just putting my hand on my chair here. You can kind of do this and kind of spread out for a bit and then you have to come on back. You cannot stay in one position the whole time because it'll be too, um, you know, someone's not gonna be interested in what, what you're saying. And the thing about your shoulders is that you must keep them straight because people who stay like this for a long time, uneven, unevenness of shoulders is indecisiveness of person. So when you're getting there to see if you need it, some people even need shoulder pads and the jackets, you have to have some substance to you when you're speaking because, uh, you have to look as powerful as you can in this day and age because we can't see them in person. So you're going to have to be as powerful as you can from the waist up. So I would think, you know, think of the winner's position. A winner's position is, yeah, your hands are up in the air. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a loser's position, everything is just going flat this way. So think as much as you can of being in that winner's position and giving them the enthusiasm that you're feeling about the subject area you're teaching or you're selling or the product you're selling to them. So those would be the two mentions. And and if you need to break, put your arms back to make yourself look larger, I think it's perfectly okay. If you have a point of stress, you come right in there, you let them see your eyes, you come close to them, and then if you need to come back, you come back. So you gotta do it just like you'd be in person with someone. Okay, yeah, that makes all and sense. Then, so for, for you guys listening, and if you're watching, as Jen was saying, hey, like, you know, don't force your shoulders back, but kind of let them no. sit there. It reminds me yeah. of, uh, at, a, at one of Tony's events, he talks about, imagine that, you know, I had a, a hook in your chest and on a string attached to it. And literally oh, I was pulling it up. Cause when you, when you, when you imagine, if you were to imagine a string attached to, to your, like, you know, the, the bone right in the center of your chest and you pull it up, what happens is your shoulders naturally fall back to that yes. position. So yes. I think that's, 
you know, just, just imagine that. Now, of course, if you want to get an actual string and hook it in there, go for it. It's kind of <laughs> hardcore, but I mean, you could do that. <laughs> and Bob, you know where I, I finally figured it was in yoga classes, how, you know, they'll have you put your shoulders in front, put your shoulders in the back. Because I was, you know, they'd always tell me to put my hands here, you know, and put them, you know, in a point. And then I couldn't get them quite right. And I realized I couldn't get them right because I wasn't in the right socket. I was trying to do them in the, from the front socket. But if you put them in the back socket, you put your hands up here, you can really do a good, good stretch. So that's an extra added benefit. You go from side to side when it's in the back pocket. Laura, thought that myself in my little pee-picking brain. <laughs> okay, and so then Bob, besides the posture, I wanna talk about facial expressions and I wanna talk about some motions you could do with your face. Um, so when you're thinking about having a conversation with someone, like your facial expression right now is really calm to me, it's soothing to me which is wonderful. And the great thing about your face is that you're, you're, you're symmetrical. Your face is the same on both sides. So as you're watching people now in, the, in these virtual calls, you're going to be looking at their face and you're going to be judging is their face alike on both sides. So the more symmetrical a face is, the more even keel a person is. If someone's face is totally differently on this side than it is from this side, like I always, in the example I use is Lyle Lovett, where his face is one person on this side and one person from this side, well, then you get some very, very high highs from that person and some very, very low lows from that person. They seem to be more moody. So, you know, when you're, that's going to be the thing now. You're going to have to read faces when they come in, come into contact with you. And that might be one of the first things you look at. I didn't want to get into that genre, but I just wanted to kind of tell you that about your face. But there are seven basic universal expressions. I cannot stress that enough that I think people need to learn the seven. And once you know the seven and you're in a conversation with someone, you can really get a feeling what's going on. So the seven basic facial expressions are anger, fear, contempt, happiness, sadness, surprise, and disgust. And there is that test that I always recommend. It's www.berkley, B-E-R-K-E-L-E-Y, dot com and you can find edu so it's oh no it's www.greatergood.berkeley.edu and it's a, it's an emotional intelligence test and they'll 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 throw a face at the screen and you have to underneath there say if that's a face of anger it's a face of sadness it's a face of anxiety then they give you another face and there's 20 faces so the ideal score would be to get at least 18 out of 20 correct some people are scoring right now just 11 out of 20 Unless you're good at facial recognition of expressions, you're going to have a tough time figuring out if that person is really going to be sincere with you. And if you ever see someone do an expression and you don't, can't recognize what that expression is, you go by yourself when the phone call is over and you make that expression with your face and see how it's making you feel. And then that way you kind of figure out how that person was feeling. So just kind of remember that when you're doing But I cannot stress enough how to get to, to the you know, facial expressions and you know, we have, you understood, I think at the beginning we said it only takes 17 muscles to frown and I think 45 or 54, I mean to smile, only 17 muscles to smile and 45 or 54 to frown. So it's much easier to smile. Why don't people smile a lot more? And like I see your face right now smiling. So a genuine smile, exactly what you're doing. The bottom of the face is smiling and the top of the face is smiling too. And by top of the face, I mean that the eyes are crinkling in the corner. So a fake smile is what we call a great smile. It's just real tight. The lips are real tight and it's held for too long. A real, a real emotion comes on fast and goes away fast. A fake emotion stays for too long. So you might see someone in a soap opera and they're trying to look afraid, but they, they keep oh, for too long. 
So, then, you know, that's, it's a B movie. You might see a B movie and the facial expression, you can tell it's not a facial expression. That's a genuine facial expression. So make sure that you watch for that. And then as we talked about genuineness and, and fakeness, you know, I, I still do work with a lot of politicians on their body language. And we see so much of that now on television. And, you know, I watched Fauci. He had the best body language here in this whole episode. But they, they're trained. I mean, our politicians are pretty much trained in body language. But to, to figure out when they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes, you have to look where the body language gesture comes out. Because some people who, who, who are trying to, to, to like, like tell you some non-truths, you know, they'll say the whole sentence that they need to say. And then sometimes maybe it's confidence. They'll show the confidence gesture too late after the sentence is finished. When the gesture does not appear where it should in that sentence, it is not a gesture that is genuine to them. So you go to catch them because they might say a sentence and then the smile will come after it should come. Then you know it's not a smile that that person is genuinely feeling. It's a put on smile, a put on frown, a put on quizzical look in their face. So you always have to watch for that when you're watching the body language. And then another thing that you're doing so well that you always do so well is the nodding, Bob, I must tell you that. You know, when, when you're talking with someone on a virtual call and they're, if they're agreeing, they'll pretty much go, uh-huh, uh-huh, which is good because it, it's like a, an invitation to the other one to keep talking. It's like, oh, I'm with you, I'm listening to you. So when you're doing it, you don't want to nod too crazy because it looks like you're going nuts with your head, but you got to make sure that, you know, you go every now and then twice. So two nods is much better than three nods because two nods means I agree. I, I want you to continue talking, but three nods quickly in a row means I want you to shut up because now I want to talk. <laughs> so that's a good note that people who are watching this or listening will know because they're going to be in, in a conversation. And what we're creating right now, I think by talking about body language, you and I, we're creating an awareness in our listeners and in our watchers that, you know, they won't remember everything that I may have said today, but they'll remember, I need to not bring that left hand to my face. I need to watch how many times they're nodding. So the moment we create that awareness in them, then they spark an interest in body language. And then they know it's really, really important. I mean, to get our message across and to get that likability factor from one person to the other. Absolutely. And I mean, listen, if you, if, if you guys, whoever's listening to this or watching this, obviously this is going to be important in anything. Like we, you know, we talked about a lot of this from the business, the business context of negotiating or, or zoom calls and things like this, but the same is true with your kids, uh, with your parents, with anyone that you're dealing with, you're talking to someone that the barista at Starbucks, uh, yeah. whatever it is, doesn't matter. It's the, the, the concepts that Jen has been teaching here are the same for, for everything, for all, all industries um, and all basically human interaction, which is pretty much everything right. that we do. So um, listen, I, I, we could probably talk for another two hours easily uh, and keep going, but I do want to you know, keep this to about 45 minutes or so. So we're right about at, at that time. So if anyone wants to learn more, Jan, about what you do, um, I know you have some books, you have a course, uh, where right. can they go find more information about that? Simply go to my website, and my website is www.janhargrave.com. So on the website, there's everything about my books. I wrote five books in body language, but the best thing about the site is that my course is listed on there. My online course is called Strictly Business Body Language, and it's simply janhargrave.com and forward slash course. And this consists of 13 modules of every conceivable thinking, sitting, standing position. And it, it's wonderful because I'm teaching each of the modules, there are tests involved, and there's videos that accompany that. So if someone really wants to get 
to be an expert in that, then I think they need to go there. If they're interested in a, a maybe a summary of the things that we said today, they can even text my name to this one number, 415-528-7403, so 415-528-7403, and they can get a handout of a lot of the things we said today and even a lot more than that. So yes, I hope that people study it more, get the books, learn it, but to use it so that, you know, we wanna be successful right now. And so in being successful, we have to use every availability that we have. We wanna put this other weapon in our arsenal so that when we're talking with people that we have the upper advantage and you have to learn how to behave for yourself in body language and then how to read the other person's nonverbals too. Absolutely. And if you're listening here, you can always grab the show notes for all the links that she mentioned. If you're, if you're driving, couldn't write it down, whatever, just pop on over. And of course, as always, thank you for each and every one of you listening, watching, being here. Please make sure that you subscribe to the channel on YouTube or if you're on the podcast platform to whatever platform that you are. Uh, please rate and review. Drop a comment. Just let me know what's going on. Let, you know, let me know what you thought. If you had questions, drop them in. Anything like that. As you guys know, I monitor all that stuff. And if I need to, to get a hold of Jan and to get a good question answered, I'll be happy to do that for you guys. That's part of what this is, is just helping each and every one of you guys educate and learn more from the connections that I've made in my time of doing business. So Jan, thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bob. We'll see each other and bye everyone. Bye everyone. Have a great day, night, evening, whatever time it is, you, wherever you are, appreciate you all. This podcast is sponsored by Three Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, Three Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.